Today's episode is brought to you by Choice by Kingdom Trust and Voyager. We'll learn more about them later on in the episode. What is up, everybody? This is your host, Scott Melker, and you're listening to the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where every week, two times a week, actually, we talk to your favorite personalities in Bitcoin, finance, art, music, politics, sports, basically anyone with a story to tell. This show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media network with over 20 podcasts. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. Now, if you like the podcast, if you follow me on Twitter, then you definitely got to check out my website at thewolfofallstreets.io. You can also sign up for my free and or paid newsletter there where I basically share all my thoughts that are too long form for, for Twitter. So check that out. Now that that's all out of the way, let's get to what's actually important today, which is today's guest. He has one of the most unique stories that's ever been shared on the show, to say the least. Uh, in 2017, Didi Tahutu made what many called a radical decision to risk everything and go all in on Bitcoin, which I think a lot of us have wanted to do but haven't had the balls to do, to be quite honest. He saw it as a chance to start living life to the fullest, and I can't wait to hear why he made this decision and how it's worked out for him and his family. So, Didi, man, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor to be in your show, man. I've been watching it and listening it many times, so it's really cool to be on it now myself. Oh, that's um, awesome. You know, <laughs> Just, just a normal guy here, guy. Uh, do you want the long story or the, or the, or the short version of my life? <laughs> I want the absolute long story for sure, man. You know, like I've okay. obviously I've seen the videos, like the 10 minute clips and everything, but I really, you know, I think you're super interesting and want to dig into what makes you who you are and how you really arrived today. So can, you can actually, since you touched on it, let's kind of start from the beginning, what you were doing before you uh, made this big decision. Um, yeah, of course. You, you know, I grew up in a very normal, warm family with a very good father and mother. And um, I did my school stuff. I was a professional football player or should I say soccer player, whatever you want. It's football. Um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, for, for some time in my youth. And then, you know, then you needed to go to college. I went to, uh, to the school at a higher economic school. And then when I turned 24, my life turned upside down. We were eating at my mom's place at home. And, and we had Wednesdays evenings. We had always had dinner together with my brother and my sister, my father and my mother. And at the end of the evening, I said, Mom, see you tomorrow again. Love you. Bye-bye. And uh, that was it. And in the evening, around 3 o'clock in the night, my brother starts to call me. He's like, Didi, Didi, mom's not breathing. She's not breathing anymore. Please come home. Come home. So I rush home with my car at that point, and um, I find the ambulance there. She, they are rehabilitating my mother. She was 48 years old, and oh, wow. she went into a yeah. She went into a coma, and a week later she died. At that point, I was 24. I just finished school. Um, you know, um, I was, I had emotional problems, huge emotional problems, and I couldn't face those problems. So I became a workaholic. I started my first company, my second company, a third company. I just started to work, 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 work. And then in the time span of um, 2002 to 2014, in those 12 years, I built up three companies. I had about uh, 20, 30 employees in the Netherlands and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I was on top of the world. In that same time, I started mining Bitcoin in 2013, 14. But because of the first crash, I lost a little bit of trust in Bitcoin. So I started to sell, you know, to break even with my huge investment in mining rates at that moment, moment self-built mining rates. But, you know, I was also an online casino manager at the same time. I, I just did everything. You're doing just everything. Think, just to do to not think of uh, the loss I had. And um, I could never give it a place. And then it was 
December 2014, when I was driving my Jeep Cherokee at that point, I was a very materialistic guy, egoistic guy. I had a mask. I just was there to accumulate wealth because that was the goal in life. Because school taught me, if you accumulate wealth, you get a house and a few cars, you will be happy at the end, you know? Right. Then in December, I was driving this Jeep Cherokee. My father called me and he said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, dad, I'm sitting. He said, I'm, uh, I just came back from the hospital. I was diagnosed with cancer. I have one more year to live. So he was at that point uh, 59 years old. And at that point, my life collapsed. My father was my hero. He was a professional soccer player. And now I was also going to lo- lose him. Um, I didn't know what to do. So at that point, you know, I, I went living home again with my father in his basement with my whole family. At that point, I already had three kids. Um, so we went living there to spend the last year together with him, 2015, the last time Easter, the last time Christmas, the last time watching a football match together, all, all that stuff. And, um, right. and then in January 2016, he, he died. And uh, at that point, my life really collapsed. Um, I got a huge burnout because of all the companies I was running and the inheritance and all that shit you need to arrange when somebody dies. And which took, at the end of the year, um, I told my wife, this, I can't go on like this. This is not life. My mother is 48. My father is 61. You know, we are in the late 30s. This is not living life. Um, so I hired a manager to run my companies and I told my wife, I need a, I, I need a mental reset i need to go and travel and and just have fun with you as a family and that is what we did we flew to thailand and then in, in two three weeks times i was back man i had all the energy i felt alive again and and this trip with which we planned to be three months became six months became seven months and then when we arrived in bali in um, 2017 early this guy called me and he's like didi how are you said, yeah i'm doing fine and uh, do you still have your Bitcoins? I'm like, yeah, man, I have my Bitcoins, but I'm on the beach in Bali. I'm, I'm looking at this beautiful sunset with my Bacardi Coke. My kids are doing all these tricks on the beach. <laughs> I'm not going to open my laptop. And he's like, do check it. Do you still have your Doge coins or Doggy coins? I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Um, uh, Doge, man. Yeah, for sure. Doge, Doge, yeah, <laughs> Doge coins. So I said, yeah, I still... I, we mined millions of them at that time. So um, and then he was like persuading me. Did he check your PC? The, the, the prices are going up. The community is growing again. So I started to check this in Bali. I saw, okay, wow, the forums are growing. More and more people are talking about it. The price is increasing. You know, I could already pay the whole trip I have been doing of six, seven months just from the profit in, in, in Dogecoin. Right. So, I, so yeah, so at, yeah, at that point, I went up to my wife on the beach and I told her, like, we are living this life with our three daughters. We don't have any materialistic stuff at the moment. We just have three backpacks. We have never been as happy as, as this before as a family. So why would we want to change this? So I told her, let's fly home. Let's sell everything we have, our house, our companies, the cars, the bikes, the clothes, your 70 pair of shoes, everything, and go all into cryptocurrency. Let's go all into Bitcoin. Yeah, her and mom, she agreed. Of course, went, her mom, <laughs> and she agreed. That's a... <laughs> At first, her mom was like, ah, but you lost trust. Bitcoin was the mining stuff. That was not good. And said, yeah, but I'm gaining trust again. This is the revolution. The revolution is starting. We are going to disrupt this monetary system. We need to disrupt the monetary system. We have seen during the last seven months how not honest the whole world is when it comes to finance. We have seen poor people in Cambodia, in Vietnam, in Indonesia. We can change this world. 
And if we just now go all in and start to travel around the world and teach those people that there is a new monetary system being built, um, I think I will feel very lucky. And then she told me, Didi, you're the most materialistic bastard <laughs> I've ever known. You're not going to go all in. You're not going to sell your Jeep Cherokee and all that stuff. And then I, I just went online. I sold my Jeep charity on, online. I sold my cabriolet online, my motorbike online. Beginning of January, uh, of February, sorry. And, and I, I bought Bitcoins of that and I told her, I'm going all in. And then we booked tickets. We flew home. <laughs> we put a house to sell for Bitcoin. A friend of mine was a real estate uh, agent. He was like, okay, if it's a marketing trick, let's do it. And then it was sold in two weeks. And then the media found out. And then, bam, you got bought. So the media the found out because you sold your house for bitcoin because that that was kind of the story there so we put it for sale for bitcoin so this wow. local media guy comes to us and he's like what are you selling a house for bitcoin what is this is this multi-level marketing is it a scam so <laughs> no course. i just want to sell yeah i just want to have bitcoins for my house and then the local media found out and then the uh, the national media found out and then business insider wrote an article and that went viral all over the world and then the house was sold in I two remember. weeks yeah and and, and since then it's now almost four years. We travel the world um, as the Bitcoin family. You get bombed to the Bitcoin family. And uh, yeah, ever since been living this Bitcoin life 24-7. It's amazing, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> sort of uh, skips the last uh, three or four years when it wasn't quite as easy <laughs> as it sounds. You didn't exactly just teleport past uh, 2017 to 2020. <laughs> There's been some hard times, obviously, for all of us. You know, like anyone yeah. who... Of course, like more so for you because you were all in, but a lot of us were very heavily exposed, whether all in or not. And 2018 was obviously an extremely rough time. 2019 was mediocre at best. <laughs> and here we are. So talk about, you know, seeing the price rise, but then seeing the inevitable, you know, the crash and the bubble pop that we hear about. So, yeah, what happened at that point is that we were, we, we were undergoing a completely change as a family. You know, we we didn't choose to become a go into bitcoin to just become filthy rich you know we, we went in it to support the revolution and more important we wanted to change life we wanted to show our children that you know accumulating wealth should not be the goal you know accumulating accumulating happiness should be the goal and you can only sh show your kids this by leading by example i can tell them bedtime stories i can tell them all these stories of what they should do but if I, as a parent, are doing something completely different, they will never follow my footsteps. They will follow the footsteps I'm showing them because, you know, you lead by example and they follow your example. So that was one of the biggest reasons for my wife to, to agree with going all in, to show the kids we can be completely happy without the materialistic, materialistic stuff and just live life. So at that point, you change from materialistic to the minimalistic lifestyle so that means that you don't care about this money anymore because you reduce your monthly cost to almost zero. Yeah, you zero. don't need it. Yeah. You don't, you don't have any cost, no mortgage, no nothing. So, of course, I, I, I saw this roller coaster ride. Of course, I, it felt sometimes, oh, my God, we are going to go bankrupt now. Because if Bitcoin goes to zero, if it still goes yeah. to zero, I'm bankrupt. Right. If it goes to zero tomorrow, I'm gone. We are gone as a family. I need to start over again. But we created this mindset, if we would be gone, we start over just like we finished yeah, school. You've done it before. We find a job. Yeah. yeah, we've done it before. So, but of course, your emotions go, man. We uh, we went up and it went up and it went up, and we were like at twenty k. I was like dreaming of fifty k, of one hundred k. Everyone was. I mean, everyone and was. 
So, but, uh, but those said, people probably were selling for dollars. You didn't want dollars out of it. You just wanted no. Bitcoin to be more valuable. You so you did you ever think, hey, I'm getting like it's twenty k. Maybe yeah. I'll take a hundred grand out here just so I have some yeah. some money, you know, some cash or something like that. Did you ever consider that? No, we we did consider it, and but you know, at that point, U.S. dollar tether and all these currencies were not that like familiar to me yet. So I was right. not there to exchange into USDT or something. So the only thing I could do is go back to the banking system. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. Right. As an entrepreneur, I had so many shit with those banks. I just don't, didn't want to go back. So there was something all the way in my mind that it, it's going to be all right. I always listen to Bob Marley, you know, every little thing is going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. And, and just that was the, the you know, the, the thing that we had. And, and then we, we discovered when Bitcoin went up to 20K, we, we had a lot of money and we, we were like still living in backpack houses in, in Thailand. And we were like, we just don't need this money. What if we use this money to make other people happy? Let's see what it does to our, to our inner luck. So we started to give away to charities, uh, poor wow. people. And that one that I hear, I'm getting goosebumps again. It, that one made me completely happy. I, I felt like, what? These smiling kids, just because I gave them a pencil, just because I gave them a teddy bear, and my kids even saw this and they were like, wow, daddy, look how happy those people, how, how those children were. So we started to give away, give away because I thought Bitcoin was going to go to 40 or 50K. And we, st- we kept giving away till Bitcoin was around uh, 12K. And then I didn't expect a 6K and I didn't expect a 3K dump. So that was when we lost a lot of our money. But, um, but you didn't. You didn't because you didn't lose your Bitcoin, right? And if you're viewing Bitcoin as your money, and if you view Bitcoin as money, then, you know, I guess the value of it in fiat currency is somewhat irrelevant. But I'm I'm sure emotionally that it was a a trying time. It's so funny that you mentioned Bob Marley because uh, part of our parenting strategy, I have a one-year-old and a five-year-old. But when uh, we had our first baby, we were woefully unprepared for parenting. And our strategy was literally... (laughs) put Bob Marley on every day, like an hour or two at a time to calm her down. And it always worked. So we did it with our second child as well. So that song, even my one-year-old like tries to sing along and he bounces and we put it on probably five times a day, every day of his life. But it really is a, uh, it changes your mentality, right? That music and that, that thinking. It gets you, it, it gets you in this vibe that you really don't matter about money anymore or that you really don't care about money and you just enjoy life. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's something I learned. I needed to learn it. My wife was already a little bit Zen and she was already like, uh, not that materialistic. I was this bastard. I wanted to share around bottles of Belvedere, you know, everywhere in the clubs, but yeah. you know, I thought it would make you popular. <laughs> but, you're a, and you're a pro athlete. I mean, you were in that, you were clearly like, exactly. it's, you know, you, you, uh, you go about yeah. life in the way that you <laughs> yeah. experience it and the people around you. Yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, I've had quite a bit of that in my day with the DJ yeah. career and all those things. And it's yeah, you, very hard, it's it's very, but it's very, very hard to slow that train. So I, I'm really yeah. curious, maybe it was your kids were young enough that it didn't matter, but you know, in my experience, kids want stuff, right? I mean, kids, they want the new toy, they want the new video game, they want, and maybe you were far enough off the grid that they weren't exposed to it. But I mean, how did you deal with that with your children? I think it helped that we, um, that we were traveling. So because we traveled mainly in Asia and poorer countries, they could see, they, they can't compare themselves then to their school kids. You know, we, right. we, 
we don't like a schooling system to be upfront. You know, they don't go to school. They are unschooled or they are schooled on another way because I see the school as a pressure that they don't need on that age. Um, and, and if you take them out of that comp, out of that zone where they are constantly confronted by other kids, oh, you don't have Nikes, oh, you don't have this, or you, it's difficult. But if you take it them is. to a third world country, you show that kids are still are work, uh, playing with a wooden stick and a tire or something, yeah. then they feel rich with an iPhone. You know? and, 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 and I think that, that helped. And of course, my youngest one is now uh, 10, the oldest one is 15, so they were not that young. So right. they, they, all, they also understood. Yeah, yeah. So they also understood that we needed to change life because daddy was not happy anymore. And and since that we changed life, they saw a very happy daddy building sound castles with them, running on the beach with them, you know, doing stuff with them that he didn't do the ten years he was a workaholic. So for them, it was a win situation. I think that they were like, okay, that then we don't need a new iPad because daddy plays with us every day. You know, he goes into right. the forest, he goes into the beach. So that right. Real the life experience. Yeah. It's interesting though. So you said they're unschooled, you know, usually you hear homeschooled. Um, does unschooled mean that there's literally like no structured learning? They're just, it's kind of like they're learning about life. I mean, I don't know in the United States, I don't even know if you would be allowed to do that. I think in theory, you have to still like put your children to through standardized testing or some sort of protocol. So how does that actually work? So to be honest, we started as unschoolers. So we unschooled the kids by just not schooling them at all and, and and it worked for some time but when my oldest one last year became 14 she started to ask questions that i couldn't answer anymore because she had interest in stuff that i didn't have interest yeah and um, so that was that made us evolve into homeschoolers and um, so we found this really cool online school it's called um, galileo and this is a school where you can uh, assign your kids to and then they have a call with their classroom every, uh, every day, 30 minutes in the morning. And then they do a Zoom call, kids all over the world. There's a teacher, um, mainly teachers from Rudolf Steiner Educare of Montessori uh, education, you know, that right. a little bit more free education. And they guide your kids through things that they want to learn. My kids want to know everything about the stars, so they guide them um, to learn about the stars by using apps or by using websites or whatever. So now we have evolved to a little bit more homeschooling, but in a practical way. So we really, I really believe that the world is changing. I really believe that we are going to see a complete decentralized world and that the schools at the moment are preparing the kids for the past and that we need to prepare the kids for the future. And this future will be a future where a lot of kids need to have creativity. You know, robots and AI will do all the stupid, easy jobs. So we need kids that can think of cool solutions that these robots or AI solutions can do in the future. And they are not going to learn this in the traditional school system where you still have books from 50 years old or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah you don't learn much. Pra- I mean, most of what you learn in school is, you know, uh, so that you can pass a test and memorize facts. I think that's pretty clear. And especially, you know, it's been somewhat scientifically proven that at younger ages, certainly kindergarten, first grade, nothing that a child learns is really of any value. They'll catch up, you know, months later. Like in Finland, I know they don't focus on learning to read in kindergarten or first grade. They just focus on, as you said, creative play, the way that the child thinks. And those children are way ahead of Americans by the time they're 11 or 12, even though they don't read till they're seven or eight. So, I mean, I think that that's the science even, you know, it's not just theory. It's not anecdotal. It's, I mean, it's scientific proof. Yeah, it's scientific proof. But the problem is for parents, you have this fear. 
you know, you always have the fear if you do this, if you take this step, your kid will be stupid in the future and will not succeed in life because that is what or we're they won't have friends. They won't know how to socialize those things. Yeah. So and you know, we just started of- homeschooling. I mean, as a result of, I mean, COVID sort of uh, forced the issue, but we have, yeah. uh, we started a small homeschool with two other families. Wow. And so we just, you know, like it's our two babies are in one house and the five younger kids from kindergarten to second grade are in another house with a teacher. And they're just kind of uh, going at it, you know, on their own. And it's, we're very new into it, but we, we really do like it. I mean, you know, it, it works, it works. And it, 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 I think it makes, I, I think it creates a total different bond between parents and children in, in the beginning. And it's a little bit difficult because you have the double role as a parent and as a teacher, but at the end, the kids will will know, don't won't know better, so they will just go with the flow. And right, they do our, it. The yeah. youngest, our our youngest one has never been to school, and she is ten now. She writes, she reads, she speaks Dutch, she speaks German, she speaks English. Yeah. So the kids are self um, educational, self detective. I think we call it in English. Yeah. Uh, they learn as they teach themselves everything from crawling to speaking to reading. Um, you know, it's. We are human beings. We are most of, one of the most intelligent species of the world. Yeah, as awful as the COVID situation has been, I think you just touched on kind of the silver lining is I think a lot of people who would have never considered these things or thought about them at all really enjoyed that time at home with their kids. As stressful as it was and all those things, like I've spent five straight months in a, you know, with my children basically 24-7 and it's been, I mean, that regard, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm curious, you guys are traveling constantly, right? So how has yeah. COVID, how has COVID affected you? You know, with all the, everywhere you go, it's probably different rules, but you know, uh, interacting with people is sort of your livelihood. You know, how, how does that look for you? At the, at the beginning, I was really mad about the whole COVID situation because of, in my opinion, and I deeply respect anybody else's opinion, yeah. uh, but in my opinion, is it is a flu. You know, and, uh, and and we have overcome many flus. And maybe that's a little bit stronger flu than the other flus, but I think the media and the governments um, didn't act in the correct way. But that took for me two weeks to understand that I was not there to change this. You know, the universe gives you this. The universe did 13 billion years of building up to that moment. So you, who am I to change this? So I just decided, you know, I, I will just um, not look at this whole flu situation. I will just live life. And what comes on my path, I need to accept that. Or, um, you know, if I don't like it, I leave that. So we got locked up, locked down, I need to say, in Thailand on a very beautiful island. It was a whole <laughs> a very strange story because we were in Sofia, Bulgaria. And Bulgaria there, there was a flu situation. It wasn't called COVID at that time. Right, I remember and, they didn't, yeah. Yeah, and then my wife told me, Didi, oh man, I, we have been traveling so much and you've been going to Vegas and there to speak and everywhere. Can we not just go two weeks to uh, two months to Thailand to just chill on the beach? And then we pick up the pace again as the Bitcoin family. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So we flew out of Bulgaria and a week later there was a lockdown. And then oh, we wow. were in Copang. Yeah. And so we were luckily in Copangan on this tropical Island. That so not you, would have been com- you would have been completely locked down in Bulgaria yeah. if you had not left when you did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my friends told me they were still there. They were like, we can't even go out. We have an app and we, we get a message how, met, how many time of how much time we can spend outside, one mm. person per car. And we were on this Kopangan Kup- Island in, in Thailand that not had one COVID case till that we left uh, three weeks ago. So wow. we, we didn't, 
we didn't even have a lockdown. We can we went on to you the beaches. It. <laughs> we skipped it. We you skipped, skipped it. COVID. <laughs> yeah, we skipped it completely. But when we came home in Europe again, I could taste the fear of the people. I saw the lines on the streets, colors where you need to stand in squares. I was like, oh my God, guys, what did you go through? I would have gone probably, you know, into jail because I would have protested on the street to not to not do all that stuff what you needed to do. So I, I think, yeah, life goes how it goes. And we were we went on this beautiful island and we had a beautiful time. And now at the moment we need to plan the next trip. We are now in Spain in Alicante. We flew uh, a week ago from Holland to Spain. And now we wanted to go to Switzerland to a company and um, a blockchain company. And Switzerland now says, if you come from Spain, you need to go in quarantine for two 14 weeks. 14 days. So we are, now we need to plan. So we probably need to go to Austria first and then to Switzerland. And right. But I mean, I can see by looking at you right now, you're yeah. in an RV or a van, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're, you're yeah, sitting I'm, in the I'm front in seat. Van. Yeah, you're sitting in the front seat yeah. of your van. I mean, do you guys live in the van? I mean, is that basically Probably. your home? No, partly yes and partly no. At the moment, I need to be honest, we are spending time at our parents-in-law, my, uh, my wife's, my parents-in-law, my wife's parents. Right. They live in Spain. So the van is parked now um, on the driveway of the house. But if I would do this video in the house, you w- I would be disturbed by the kids 24-7. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm, I'm always pulling me back in this van and then I have all the time to speak. Um, but but yeah. 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 But I believe you Probably said before, I heard you say at some point or mention that uh, your official status is homeless, correct? Yeah. Or it we, was. We need to. Yeah, we need it. No, it still is. Still is. That was the only way how we could skip the, um, the law of uh, schooling. You know, the, I, found, I found this flaw in the law of the Netherlands that if you um, deregister at your government's office, they still work with an access ba- database. They don't work with the blockchain solution. <laughs> so right. they, have two t- they have two tables. One table is kids that are registered in, the gov- in, in a city and one table with, um, that is registering all the kids in the schools in that city. So if a kid is not registered in the stable anymore of the city, they can't cross the tables. They can't find your kid. So your kid doesn't go to school. So that's why we were registered as homeless people searching for a new house all over the world. And we still didn't find the house. <laughs> yeah, but that, that answers the loophole that I was curious about before, because I know that like in the United States, you, even if you were homeless, they would probably try to you know, find a way for your children to to go to school. So it's a, clearly it's a law that's unique to where you are that you were able to somewhat exploit and make it work for you, which is, which is yeah. really cool. So, you know, going back to 2017, you know, it seems like there was a few things going on. Obviously the loss of your father that, that had sort of sparked, you know, a life change, but, you know, you said that you wanted to preach, you know, the problems with the banking system and the problems with the monetary system and to talk about Bitcoin, but you could have done that without personally opting completely out. Right. So like, what is it in you? I guess like it's a kind of thing seems like where you had to talk the talk if you were going to walk the walk, right? Like you had to do it yourself if you were going to go talk about it. But what is it in you that made you think like, no balance here, I'm going all in, this is it. And why Bitcoin? Like why, you know, why was that the answer? So, because, you know, I knew Bitcoin uh, from 2014, the right. mining, and at that time, somebody educated me in the revolution. You just, I just lost a little bit of trust of it. But I think it is because of my roots. I have these Indonesian Moluccan roots, so that's an island archipel near Indonesia. 
that also want that always wanted to be independent from the Indonesian country. But because they came in the war, to tell you a very short story, they sent my grandfather back because he lost the war to the Netherlands. So like 50,000 people from these islands were sent to the Netherlands because the Netherlands were harvesting all their, you know, um, uh, well, how do you call them in, uh, in English? It's this um, small herbs. I don't know the name, yeah. right? but you know, that's why they took them to the Netherlands. And from that point on, I grew up in a Moluccan family that was always in for this revolution. You know, we, we were always against the system because the system didn't treat my grandparents honest, my father honest. And so you grow up in this system that you don't believe in the system. And you then, you, at a young age, you start to read books like The Secret and The Law of Attraction. And then you start, you know, to investigate how is the world working. And you, you, you look these documentaries of Che Guevara and all that stuff that makes you this guy that always, you, you know, wants to go full for something. When I played football, my father was the type that said, if you want to become a pro, you need to train, train, train. And then when you think you're ready, you need to train more and more and more. Yeah. And then at the end, you have a small chance becoming uh, what you want. So there is, I just needed to radically change our life. The only way I could do it is by going all in because I still kept it this, if I would have still kept this attachment to the Netherlands, I would always have this thing to, oh yeah, but we can go back. Oh, anyway, we still have our house. Or we, or we can go to, I, I just needed to get rid of this. I just needed to go just completely all in and trust life. Let's see where this whole adventure brings us. And um, it's incredible. That's how I learned to let go. I, I couldn't let go when I was younger. And now it's like, my God, since I've been letting go and just not, not giving a damn about stuff, all these things happen. Now I'm even here on your show, you know? It's like, this life is insane. It became a roller coaster life, but it's a cool roller coaster life. Don't be a part of the 7.1 million Bitcoiners in the United States who have Bitcoin and a retirement account, but don't have Bitcoin in their retirement account. Seriously, you can hold Bitcoin in your retirement account and not just GBTC. How can you do this? Through a self-directed choice IRA by Kingdom Trust. The first thousand users to open a choice IRA will receive $62.50 in free Bitcoin. Visit retirewithchoice.com slash wolf. That's R-E-T-I-R-E-W-I-T-H-C-H-O-I-C-E dot C-O-M slash W-O-L-F. Podcast listeners receive extra points to move up the wait list and get their choice IRA first. Do it right now. It's time to take control of your financial future and free yourself from the restrictions of classic retirement accounts. Are you sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto, and it's 100% commission-free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 30 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank account so you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they're offering 5% interest on Bitcoin and 6% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 6%. And there are no limits or lockups, which means your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager on the iTunes or Google Play Store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's investvoyager.com, promo code SCOTT25 for $25 in free Bitcoin and start trading today. So what was it specifically about the 
legacy monetary systems that you took such issue with? Because obviously you were a huge, you know, you were a huge benefactor of that system to some degree, but you were certainly like a cog in the, in the wheel um, when yeah. you were, you know, running all of your businesses and doing all these things and, and on that pursuit of more monetary gain. You know, if, 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 you, if, you be, if you are an entrepreneur for 15 years and you build up these companies, then you know exactly how the system was working. And then you, at the end, you realize it's not your companies. It's not your money. It's all, land, land, uh, it's all loans from banks. And by giving you these loans, they get you in the system that you can never escape. The only way out is becoming bigger as a company, growing, expanding, growing, growing. And the bigger you become and the, grow, uh, the bigger you grow, the more employees you need, the more stress you have, you get caught, you need to m make more money, so you get caught in this hamster wheel. Yeah. And then at the end, when you want to cash out, or you go to your bank, and you tell your bank, ah, oh, but you know, now I have this investment opportunity to, you know, to automate my company so that I don't need all these employees, they will not give you the money. Or when you need the money for to buy a house, they will tell you, ah, but you need better numbers. So you're always depending on these bastards that yeah. they just screw your life. They just, you know, they, they that, that irritated me. And then one day I told them, guys, I'm going to come to the bank now because I'm going to buy a new car and I need a 20K. So I went into the bank. I told them I need 20K in cash. It's a cash dealer in Germany. I, you can only accept cash. And they weren't going to give me the cash. I had more than 100,000 euros on this account. They didn't give me the cash. I needed to make an appointment and it took four days for them to get the cash to give me this cash. And that was when I realized, wow, this is not my money. And then you start to read into the banks, into the system, and the small letters that you're lending your money to them. And then you see what happens in Greece and in Cyprus. And that those people were just like, their money was just taken. I always imagine this fisherman fishing 20 years on this boat in Greece, saving all his money into this bank account. And then there comes a crisis. And then these banks tell him, you can only get 60 euros a week. You know, this is like, this is theft. And so I, I, I had many experiences like this in my life. And that was why I was like, okay, now, now I'm going to support this whole monetary disruption 24-7. And yes, and I'm going to take my family in with it. And yes, we have been living without a bank account now for more than three and a half years. And I'm never going to have a bank account again. Never, never. Can you talk to me logistically about how living with only Bitcoin is? I know that your life is obviously very simple, but you know, if you need to buy food at a place that doesn't accept Bitcoin, do you still have to go through you know, go through the local currency or something, even if only for five minutes, you know, to cash out to pay for something? I mean, they're just things in my experience that I can't buy with Bitcoin. I want to. Yeah. I have this very irritating fly, but in the beginning, I, I've yeah. seen it go uh, by a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it was annoying me. <laughs> I get you. Um, no, so, you know, in the beginning, the first two years was terrible. You know, you, the only thing you could do is go to localbitcoins.com and you could, uh, could agree right. on the street with somebody and exchange your bitcoins. That was not the safest way. That was a terrible way. But then, you know, this industry has been evolving. And for the people that have been asleep the last two years, you know, you, you, online shopping has become big, you know. You can buy yeah. everything online. So I, 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 pay our, I pay our flights, our hotels. I pay everything online with Bitcoins directly. And if it comes to supermarkets, like here in Spain, for example, um, you can buy these online coupons with Bitcoins and you spend the coupons in a supermarket. Oh, yes, cool. it's a little bit more work. Um, but then again, I love just not to have a bank. My, the game is not to have a bank account anymore. So you become creative. 
Sometimes I buy coupons. Sometimes I use these Bitcoin debit cards nowadays. Yeah, uh, use, yeah they're great. They are great, but in, uh, still, in my opinion, they are a step in between. You know, it's just fun to play with uh, to play with now. But the goal should be peer to peer. You know, cryptocurrency payments. Um, so how about like phone bills? You know, buying, putting gas in your car when you're driving yeah. around. I mean, I, I'm just really curious how you do these things because I would it's, love to theoretically do it. It just seems like it could be a massive inconvenience without the mainstream yeah. adoption that we all sort of dream of. It's. It, it still is a mass inconvenience if you see it like this, but I try to see it as a positive thing. So we see it as a game and yeah. because we don't have any job or anything else to do, you can become creative and have time to think yeah. out of these games. You can take 20 um, extra minutes to figure out how you're going to pay for your <laughs> gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. For your gas, for your gas, it's really easy. Of course we could use these debit cards. It's the easiest way, but uh, we mostly use coupons at the moment. So that means that we buy a gas coupon or we buy, um, in, in Spain, it's called uh, Hand to Kill, I think it's something like this, the name. And then you buy this coupon, you can spend it on gas stations, but you also in supermarkets. Uh, so yeah. there, is, there is many ways. And, but there are also very a lot of places that we um, often go back to because it's easy for us to live on Bitcoins. You know, right. We go to um, Slovenia, to Ljubljana. Ljubljana, there you have Bitcoin City. In Bitcoin City, I can pay 99% of all the needs directly with Bitcoin. Directly. From groceries to cinemas to new Nikes for my kids to my newer earplugs to everything in Bitcoin City, 99%, I think even 99.9%, you can pay directly with Bitcoin. So then How we have I never heard of this place. This is, I've, oh never, I've literally never heard of that. And I think um, I've heard of most things uh, in this space. I did not know that there was a city in Slovenia that was powered by Bitcoin. Ljubljana, you will, if you go there, if you visit it, you will, like, you will be amazed. This is like completely exactly what mass adoption should look like. You walk in this huge uh, shopping mall, any store you want, you can pay with Bitcoin. Your jewelry, you can even sell Bitcoins for gold or buy Bitcoins with gold in this gold pawn shop. You can literally everything. And how One do you do it logistically? You literally, I mean, you just pull up your app on your phone and you, yeah. you know, they give you yeah. their address and they confirm the transaction and that's it. There is a company behind this one. Uh, the company at the moment, I think they changed their name to, at the moment they are called, uh, I need to check it. Um, they, one of the biggest investors in this company is Roger Ver. All right. Um, uh, so, and this one, and um, I will, it's called Ellie. Ellie. Ellie, Ellie Pay. And this one has uh, facilitated and educated all the storeholders on how to do it. So you, they just have a QR code on their desk, nothing else. You go there uh, with so your, yes, pay, QR, your Ellie Pay wallet, yeah. QR, but, and you pay. Um, it's, it's like, it's, you're blown away. But you can also use your Blockstream Green wallet or any other Bitcoin wallet, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I think the company was funded by Roger Ver. Yeah. Okay, so how do we get from there, to, from Slovenia, one town in Slovenia, yeah. to everywhere in the world? So, you, you, I fly? No, 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 sorry. How do, we, how do we get that same experience that you're having in Slovenia where everything accepts Bitcoin? So, the, the question is mainstream adoption. How yeah, do we reach mainstream is, adoption first all over Europe and then all over the world yeah. you know, to, to where you can do that anywhere? 
Yeah, this is the beautiful thing. You know, as Slo- Slovenia, this is like the main, this the capital. It's a huge city. Yeah. But I saw the same example also in Italy. You have Rovareto. It's a small traditional Italian store uh, town, like a real traditional town yeah. with this small butcher and all that stuff. More than 50 shops there except Bitcoin as well. I went into the butcher shop. This woman was working of 60 plus years old. You see this old ham and homemade uh, jelly and jam pots. And I'm like, do you know how to accept Bitcoin? She pulls out the iPad. She said, yeah, you can scan it. You can pay with Bitcoin. So I've seen it in, in, in the smallest town of the world. I've seen it in the biggest town of the world. So in my opinion, it's possible all over the world. We need, we need these engines that are willing to spend time to educate those people in how to accept cryptocurrency. And I think if, if you zoom out, then we need to start with the kids. And I think this is exactly the failure at the moment of cryptocurrency. We are not, sure. include, we are not including children into this industry. And if we look at the banks, how did they catch you? How did they catch me? By when we were 12, we got a piggy bank account with 25 US dollars. Yep. Oh, and you can, you can now use this plastic card and welcome to the banking system. We need yeah, to do the same. College savings, you know, all these things, all the, you know, that, I mean, you're, you're told to do those things for your children from the day they're born. Certainly so, in this so, country. Yeah. Ex- exactly. And I think we need to do this in crypto as well. We need to start to include these kids into the system, educate them, and then it will take maybe 10 years, of course, or something before they will grow old and start to, you know, ask uh, everywhere for uh, if they can pay with Bitcoin directly and all that stuff. But it will take some time. But I think if you have these motors in every town, like uh, Eli in Slovenia, or like I think in Italy, it's called Euro, Compio Euro, the company is called there. So they just educate people and they make the money, of course, in, 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 the, in, the, in the fees. Um, so there is a business model in this. We think need to show the world. How can you as an entrepreneur set up a company in Spain that has a business model you can earn money with by educating people how to start accepting crypto? Because we are living in a world where people are greedy and scary, you know? Yeah. And not bad, but not my style. But if you can get entrepreneurs greedy and making money by, um, by selling the, the message of crypto, th- then you're there. And I right. think this, we already have two or three examples of these kind of companies. Um, you know, and, and, and online we have BitRefill and all these companies, of course, where you can buy all the coupons for the, the Burger King or the McDonald's. Um, but physically, we, we need this as well to get to mainstream adoption. I agree. So I see the Bitcoin family hat in the background there behind you. Um, when did you guys become known as the, the Bitcoin family and how did that become? I mean, I'm, a, I'm assuming it's become somewhat of a business and an identity for you, correct? Um, yeah, at the beginning, it, it, we, there was an article written, I think, in an Australian newspaper. Uh, yeah, it was Sydney, I think, and, and uh, the Sydney Herald, I think it was called. And they bombed us to the Bitcoin family. They were like, we have a Bitcoin family. So at that point, I read this article and I was like, oh, wow, we are the Bitcoin family. Oh, let's be the Bitcoin yeah, family. Good so branding. I went online. <laughs> yeah. I, good branding. I went online. I said, okay, register the domain name, the bitcoinfamily.com, and of course, all that stuff. And then, and then it just slowly grew into this, uh, in, into this vlogging family that was just wanted to share vlogs of families, uh, of a traveling family. But then, right. of 
because you have a story, you get asked to be a keynote speaker on events and all that stuff. Your story becomes bigger and bigger, more and more podcasts, more and more interviews. Um, you know, it, now I think there are six documentaries already made about us. Yeah. So um, Wall Street Journal was one of the big ones, of course. Uh, then you get known as the Bitcoin family. And then there is only one thing you can do is you can make a brand out of it. In my opinion, I'm still an entrepreneur. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. And, and then I remember it was in Portugal. I said together with my wife and we were like, okay, do we really still want this? Because my wife was like, oh, my daddy, oh, my God, Didi, our life is being led again. You know, we are being pulled to Madrid, to there. Is it what we chose for? And I was like, but darling, if we can, if we can just monetize this brand and use all of the profits we make with vlogging on YouTube, with selling our book, all that stuff, and we just share this profit with all these poor people all over the world, we become the most happy family in the world. Oh, my God. The most, so that's what we decided. So we just said, let's do it. Let's monetize this brand and then let's share all the profits of the brand um, or invest it or do, you know, these projects where you help people and then you just try to do your contribution on changing the world. For example, I, I will show you this. You will love it, Scott. This one might yeah, one please. We were in, in, in Koh Phangan in Thailand and um, there was this COVID situation, so a lot of hotels closed because there was no tourists coming in. And right. these people working in the Thailand are most, mostly the people from Myanmar. So they lost their job. Yeah. They didn't have food, blah, 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 all that stuff. But then there was this guy, Norwegian guy, and he, he taught us, and he was collecting money. And so we helped him with collecting donations. And then we bought a sewing machine. And from the sewing machine, they created from the rice bags we normally threw away, he created like wallets. Or all that kind of stuff, you know? Or yeah, oh, very cool, yeah. And they started to make these things now, and they make money now. So every time we make profit with YouTube or a book or whatever, we just give this to these kinds of project, projects. And that just that makes me very happy. And I'm going to... Well, the vision behind this is, again, leading by example. I want to make a shitload of money with my YouTube channel. We, we just started monetizing it like two months ago because I didn't yeah. even know you could monetize it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah it's terrible. It's just a button. Now, Click it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a button. So you're monetizing it now and we are going to film and we are going to give away everything. So we create a circle where we give away, we make a beautiful video about it. People will see it. They will watch Get more. more money. We will right. earn more. We will give it. And this is what we want to do now so just help um, you know all these people over the world because you know they need it we don't need but it. you have to i mean it's amazing it's just amazing but you have to keep something for yourself right i mean unless of course you have just like millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of bitcoin to live on but i mean you still have to i guess you know if bitcoin crashed or something you still have to have some sort of money to live right even if that's bitcoin so i mean i have to imagine you still keep some of it correct i mean you it's your job to some degree. Uh, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm also an advisor for some companies. So there I make money on, on all, yeah. all different ways in blockchain and crypto as a speaker, as an advisor. Right. I so you do keep, so, so it's what you make on YouTube, you're giving back basically in this cyclical uh, plan. Yeah. And you have your other side things where, you know, you can still live off of those things being mm -hmm. paid in crypto. YouTube completely. Um, all the sales, sales of our uh, website, uh, about incredible. 20, 25% goes to charity. Um, my speaking fees, I always negotiate so that I tell them 
if you pay me a speaking fee, I will donate it also to charity. So the only thing that I, we live on is um, our holdings, but they are not millions and millions and millions of US right. dollars. I can tell you that very honest. Uh, and my trading, you know, I trade daily. And, um, ah, uh, there we go. So, so there I, I make some money, of course, as well. Yeah. Okay, so most people lose money trading. They, most people don't make money trading. So talk to me about that. Now I'm fascinated because now we're in my, in my wheelhouse. Uh, talk to me about trading. What kind of trading do you do? Where do you trade? Are you, you know, do, do you trade altcoins? Do you only trade Bitcoin? Do you trade with or without leverage? What's your trading strategy? Um, at the moment, my trading, trading strategy is very simple. About 75% is on uh, hardware wallets. I don't touch that amount. Uh, that's 25% I trade with and, and of those 25% every trade I do is about 5% uh, mostly at the moment on altcoins because every time when Bitcoin goes this sideways beautiful time um, you know these Amazing. altcoins like like yesterday you know 1500% man how much uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, that was, uh, you know, this DeFi craze is, it's, it's this hype pretty serious. It's, hype. it's very, very reminiscent of uh, ICOs in 2017. I'm yeah. not saying that the ending will be the same. I'm just saying daily pumps of thousands of percents. You know, it's very it, reminiscent. It's, yeah. So at the beginning, I lost a lot with trading. Of course, you, you learn by doing and then yeah. I, you follow courses and then um, you learn to trade a little bit more cautious. And now... There's a, a few people that are also now and then advising me on to buying coins because you get into this crypto world and you know how it is. If you know people, get in early. Uh, yep, it becomes yeah, it becomes a little bit more easy. And m most people would refer to this as the as yeah, the market is being manipulated. Yeah, it is. All the markets in the world are being manipulated, and you just need to play the game the right way. You know. And, I, t I view that completely. I, I agree with you. Everything is quote unquote manipulated, but I've always had the opinion that Bitcoin is a free market and that it's actually the stock market and other markets that are manipulated. I guess it depends on your definition of manipulation. If manipulation means that someone with a whole lot of money can move the market, then yes, Bitcoin is manipulated. But, uh, no, I, think, no, what, what, but I think printing endless money and buying yeah, corporate exactly. stocks and and propping up companies that should be out of business. That's manipulation. Yeah. That's the scam. Yeah. You can't blame someone with a lot of Bitcoin for moving the market in their favor. That's no. literally the definition of a free market. That is not yeah. manipulation. That's just the market. I, I completely agree with you. And I, I, what I meant indeed is that, you yeah. know, if, if, if the U.S. government keeps printing this shitload of money, they are manipulating <sighs> every market out there. And this is going to somewhere collapse, of course, because we can't do, be doing this. And I think it's a fair game if a trader has made a lot of money. He can move the market, of course. Yeah. I am moving the market sometimes in small coins. You know, uh, why not? Coins, for sure, That's if you want to get in. Yeah. That it, it would, because else it would be the same as I, as a football player, cannot use my best skill. Why not? Right. I'm a football player. I'm going yeah. to use my skill the best way. It infuriates me when people like imply that the stock market is the real market and that Bitcoin is some sort of like manipulated oh. <laughs> uh, fake market. It just infuriates me. So th that touches on something interesting. So you're trading altcoins. Do you believe in any of them or is it strictly, you know, about stacking sats and accumulating more Bitcoin? Uh, some of them I really believe in. Some projects I, w I was an, uh, an early believer in them. And then of course uh, you invest in those as well, but I need to be honest. Sometimes, if I if I see a call, if I see a if 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 you see a chart, I'm like, okay, I don't even know what a project is, but this one is bottoming oh, out. Of course. Yeah. Um, you, 
why not? You know, I, why not risk thousand dollars or two thousand dollars? If it takes ten percent, it's two hundred dollars. You know, how, right. how how many hours people need to work to earn two hundred dollars? I can do it great from my chair in my camper van sometimes. Yeah. So um, it's it's a different. Yeah, it's it's. It, uh, there was a phase I was only investing in currencies that I really believed in the projects, but I lost a lot of money because of this. Because at the end, you can buy yeah. their tokens, but if the company increases in value in the future, it doesn't mean that your token is going to increase in value that we have seen. Right. Also, doesn't, you know, sometimes there's stipulations about when you can sell and you, there's nothing worse than, you know, being forced to hold something and seeing it go crazy yeah. and then go all the way back. And, you know, yeah. I think that a lot of people have um, experienced it's, it's, it's more the other way around. There are some currencies I just have a little bit problems with trading, so I don't touch them. Like, right. for example, XRP, for me, it's a no-go. I won't trade them, even if I can use, make huge profits. It's just not my favorite kind, you know? It's, uh, but that's also what you were touching on, like, in that case specifically, there's a big difference between the success of the company and the success of the coin, right? So, I mean, exactly. Ripple, could, Rip, Ripple could become a you know, global leader in, in payments or software or whatever they're working on, and XRP could theoretically drop even with that happening. So they're not necessarily so, you know, intimately yeah. tied. I mean, I, I yeah. tend to agree. I'll trade it, you know, but I, yeah, I think yeah. that it's, it's uh, very hard to, you know, unless you've yeah. been very dedicated to it from the beginning. And there, and you know, there's a lot of passionate um, communities around some of these, yeah. of some of these projects and, yeah. you know, definitely don't want to poke the hornet's nest. I've been there. <laughs> um, no, but that's really cool that you, that you trade, that you trade so much. Um, how do you uh, emotionally deal with losses when they happen in, when, in trading? Because to me, that's the most fundamental part of being a good trader is that the losses really don't affect you. Do they still affect you or is it something you learned and you got over? You know, you, it's, it's, it's a golden rule that you only um, you play with the money you can afford to lose. So um, right. I, I play with this. I can afford to lose. And if you went all in once in Bitcoin and any other trade you're going to do afterwards, it's not that right. big. You know, it's not but you don't want to lose your Bitcoin. And, but yeah, you just don't want to squander no, your Bitcoin when you're living on it. So, it's, yeah. it's more, I think it's more the, the competitive part that hurts me. So that I didn't read the chart right. That I'm like, fuck, man, Didi, you should have... You know, this part, it's not the money that I'm losing, but that you just, how can you say the it? Ego. You just not, yeah, the ego again, like, oh man, you should have seen that or you should have known that or you should have, but you, you can't see anything. And, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and it's, it's a game. And, um, you know, some people go to the gym to sport every day. Some people go, yeah, I do trading now and then. And when I lose, I run into the pool. I jump, make a somersault. I I just yeah. do something else, you know, yeah, I distract myself. Take your mind off it. And so take how, your mind off it. So you were an athlete, obviously, at a very, very high level. So you grew up being, I would imagine, extremely competitive, right? I mean, everything yeah. was probably about yeah. winning and being a winner. I mean, that's the polar opposite of giving up everything and just going off on your own, right? Yeah. I mean, do you still, you talked about it with trading, you have that competitive nature, but how do you like... Yeah fuel you know how do you fill that spirit that part of you that probably needs competition and winning is it playing games with your kids i mean or is it you're just past it uh everywhere i come i play games if i go to yeah. the beach in Copenhagen, i search a football field i go play football if i'm in bali i play football on the beach if i'm here in the pool with the kids i still raise them in the pool you know who's going to be first you know yeah. so I, I i create these 
Yeah, I just create games in my mind. Even the, I, I make a daily vlog on YouTube nowadays. I create this mind tomorrow. I need to do something strange because else it's not a good vlog. So I need to push myself to go into a hill or to, you know, to dive into a cave or whatever. And I just, you know, just try to make life an adventure. And then that, that's all kind of, you know, so it's kind of a passion nowadays, traveling and, and making life an adventure. So that's a game and you can, uh, you can be very creative in this one. Yeah. And I have three dollars, you, you know? Yeah. There's all, always so, one that wants to fight me. <laughs> did, um, do, I mean, do you think you'll ever settle down again? Or I mean, are you going to do this till the day, oh, till the day, you, till you're going to be 85 years old and in the, in the van and, you know, in the middle of uh, Slovenia somewhere? Or do you think that you'll settle down? I think I, my dream is that I would be in 30 years, there's a very old gray man still traveling the world, sitting in a beautiful, huge camper van and, and, and just, you know, telling stories to other travelers that then visit your van at that point. But, you know, it's, we as a family, my wife and I just agreed to, that the most important part is that the kids are happy. So we don't know how life will evolve. My oldest one is now 15. She starts to date boys. So, you know, she wants to kiss. She wants to have all the fun I had right. when I was young. So you adapt to this. We don't know the outcome yet because it's not a standard life. It's not a life that everybody has lived. So we can't predict yet what is going to happen to this as a family. Because, you know, we, we didn't have this example in, in my life. We, yeah, we nobody just has. Life. Nobody <laughs> yeah. has. Yeah, kind of. Unless you were know, raised by a hippie, you know, 70 in the 1970s yeah. in the United States. Yeah, you know, my parents were hippies, but we, yeah. we didn't get that full uh, <laughs> experience as kids. But yeah, I mean, there was, there have been times and, you know, traveling yeah. caravans and things like that. But what you're yeah. doing is extremely unique. It is. And then and, and we just don't know the outcome. And then we, do, we just have one rule. The kids need to be happy. So... If one of the kids tells us, okay, I want to settle down for a few months, or we like Australia, let's live here for a year, or we like it, then we just stay there for a year. And we just taste that culture, taste that food, taste you know all those people. And then when it's time to move again, we move. We, in, at the beginning, we travel like, like crazy, like two weeks here, one week there, three days there, five days there. And now we slow travel. So now we stay three months in Spain, for example, and then we go... Uh, for two weeks to Austria, two weeks to Switzerland, and then, for example, again, three months on Cyprus. You know, that we, we, we take the pace down so that the kids can adapt to that place a little bit more and find friends. Because it's do all about kids, social. Do the kids ever get super sick of each other because you're in close quarters, like you're traveling around in the van and they're just fighting and fighting and fighting? <laughs> <laughs> daily, daily. You know, I'm living this life with four women. It's a hell. It's a oh, living I mean, hell. It's not I easy. mean, that was, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, wow. <laughs> no, it's not easy. People always see the Instagram pictures and the YouTube videos, and they always think, oh, what a beautiful life. It's just a normal life. It's a family traveling the world. We have the same problems other family have, but um, we are closer together. But on the other hand, you also have more space. Because if we are near a beach, you can fight where you want. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to swim. <laughs> do whatever you want. You know, they have their period. Every week when they have the period, I'm a lot on the beach, you know? <laughs> I won't be near them. So it's just, a, it's, it's all fun. It's all fun, you know? It's, it's, um, you get very close. The kids get, they bond very, they bond a lot with us. The, the bond between the Swiss sisters is really strong. Yeah. Um, but they fight the parents. Well, that's no, part of not that. That's part of the family bond is fighting, right? That means you love yeah. each other. So, 
your daughter, you said she's 15. She wants to meet boys. She meets a boy and then you leave, right? I mean, how do they, how do they maintain long-term social connections if you're always um, on the road? Like how do, do they have really close friends or do they have, you know, just kind of casual friendships all around the world? They, of course, have their really close friends from the Netherlands because we touch base in the Netherlands now and then. And then right. they still have their friends over there. And, you know, nowadays, you know, you have this social media thing. You have like Snapchat. It's so easy. TikTok. Yeah. It's like they have Zoom calls. They do. My youngest one is 10. I was amazed. We were in Thailand. She had her birthday over there and uh, she was uh, becoming 10 years old. So did, she did a birthday with her friends in Thailand over there. And the evening, she went into this world called I think Roblox and she played Roblox and then she has a house over there and she invited her other Dutch friends. She celebrated her birthday in, in this virtual world. In Roblox. And I told her, I said, and the day after she came to me and she's like, daddy, um, this game Roblox, um, you know, can I have 20 bucks for what? Yeah. I need to buy a digital box like Bitcoin, but then Roblox, you need bucks. I said, what are you going to do with it? I can buy my house, bigger house, or, but can you make money there? So that's my question. How do you earn money? Oh, that's easy. He said, if you give me a solution how you make money, so I give you $20. You're my best. <laughs> show me your, show yeah, me your yeah. pitch deck. <laughs> <laughs> give me one pager. <laughs> and then she said, okay, that's easy. Give me 20 bucks. I build a pool and I ask one box and everybody that wants to swim in my pool. And then I told her, do you really Terrible. think that people are going to pay fake money to swim in your pool. And I was, when I was asking her, my mind already went and shit, yeah, we are that far. We're doing that, yeah, cool. We are already <laughs> doing that. Yeah. yeah, the people people care more about their online appearance than their offline appearance. They spend more money on their avatars, clothes, and shoes than their normal shoes. They so, do. To come back to your question, yes, we also prepare the kids for this life that could become more virtual and where they meet and greet people in online environments. And at the same time, we try to break them in being too much on their phone, on their laptop. Yeah, it's so hard these days. Yeah, do, you think that you could have, do you think that you could have lived this lifestyle in the 80s before phones and before the, the things you're talking about before social media when they couldn't maintain those connections? I mean, I, you know, I'm in my 40s. So when I was a kid and I went to camp and I made a friend, we wrote letters. And inevitably, like, that tapered off because like, yeah. my parents... We couldn't have, like, they weren't sending me to like New York to visit this friend that I had made. So we wrote letters for six months and then we found girls and stopped writing letters, right? <laughs> so, I mean, do you think that you could have done this before? Or do you think that the world we live in actually makes it uh, much easier? I think the world we live in makes it easier, but I also think that if you go back in that time, there are also things that would make it, made it more easy because, you know, if you don't have all this um, online media that, to keep contact with, no distractions distractions you focus again on playing with kids outside so the main reason i think most children are sitting inside with their iphone is because there are no other kids outside playing anymore it's crazy so if, if we all we did time, as kids was play outside i spent exactly. every day of my life playing outside and yeah. fighting with my parents as to what time i had to come home and you came late and you yeah. you uh, you met new friends on the on the, on, on the playground wherever yeah. in the city you went and i think in the 80s that was still there so then they yeah. would have you know, met people in that way. But nowadays, you know, I can ask my kids every day, go outside, go to the court, or go to the basketball play court, and nobody's there. There is nobody. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's exciting to see how this whole shift is taking place in, in humanity. 
So talk to me about your grand plan with the YouTube. Um, I mean, do you think your kids, this is what they're going to do for a living? You think that you'll keep going with the vlog as they get older and they'll be 30 and you'll be older and you guys will be, you know, recording this or do you think they'll go off on their own? It's, it started that, you know, it started as a family vlog, but we didn't get views. We made really cool family vlogs of us traveling to a store with a van and asking, can you, can we pay with Bitcoin? Well, we got 200, 300 views, nothing. So the kids lost um, their appetite for making, spending the time. But now we were in Copangan. I met um, Carl the Moon and uh, Chris from MM Crypto Chris. Okay. So I, I spent three months with them. And then one night I spent with Chris and Carl. And they told me, Didi, why don't you YouTube more? Why don't you make your daily videos? You know, you, you, you're a good talker. Why not? Yeah. And I'm like, man, we don't make money with YouTube. Then they showed me what they were making with YouTube. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's not possible, man. So fuck off. That's, Dude, no. These guys are, that's, I mean, there's guys making millions on YouTube and then you add in affiliate fees for things that they're marketing and they're making a Bitcoin to a day on affiliate fees. I had no even concept of the money in it until someone told me about it recently. Same. So same. I knew that so, musicians, you know, I knew musicians, basically like every million views, yeah. you can make 3000 bucks on advertising or whatever the, you know. Yeah. 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 So, the, yeah the, so for me, it was something like, wow. So I went back home to the kids and to my wife and told them, okay, we're going to try it one more time. We're going to make kick-ass videos because I saw what we can earn. And if we can monetize it, we can give it away. We can also use it for ourselves, whatever, you know, but we need to try it again. And then my wife told me, Diddy, I just really don't like all the attention. And my kids looked at me like, oh, dad, you cannot become the same vlogger like them. It's, you, you're not up to it. You cannot make money. And that triggered this Oh, there's the me. competition. <laughs> yes, that I can. came the competition. <laughs> so I told them, so, okay, I'm going to make a daily video. I'm going to walk the beach because I'm getting lazy and fat and I need to sport. So I'm going to combine two passions, walking the beach, uh, do, uh, searching for adventure, and I'm going to vlog it and talk about Bitcoin and blockchain and everything else in life that I like. And they were laughing. They were like, ah, oh, it's not possible. And then in two months' time, we grew from like 1,800 subscribers to 7,500 subscribers. Uh, we started to monetize the channel. Now we make not a lot of money, but we make money with YouTube. Yeah. So I showed the laptop to my kids. I'm like, here, your crazy old dad, 43 years old, is making money by walking on the beach, leading by example. Yeah, you can do it as well. Just talk about what you like, make beautiful content, edit it, do some time, spend your time. It's not that you're investing anything else than time, and you can monetize your skills. And, and, and now they are like, oh, Dad, uh, but uh, you get more likes and you get more subscribers. And I, now I'm telling them this joke, like, okay, wait, <laughs> you need to wait now because there are more people in line. I'm becoming the biggest YouTuber of the world. And if I'm the biggest in the world, step behind in line for an autograph. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. <laughs> that's they, right. like, you got to put your kids in their place. See, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize you were also, we're exactly the same age, 43. So it's not, not a surprise that I'm, uh, that a lot of the things <laughs> you're saying and your experiences are resonating with me or right? yeah. exactly, I was born in the, the end of 1976. Yeah. So, you know, before we wrap up, what, what's your message for people? I mean, is this something you think anyone can do? Do you think that you were in a unique position where you know you have the skill set to go and survive and do this or do you think that any family anywhere can pick up and make this happen i mean what's 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 your message what do you want to teach people are oh, you know, what's my message it's a big question you know it's life is always a struggle a life goes with ups and downs if you don't have downs you don't have ups 
So I think the thing we are doing, everybody can do it because I think the life you're leading now is way more difficult than the life we are leading. It's, it's just the first step. You know, it's the first step. You climb up the ladder to bungee jump. You're on the top and you need to jump. And then you're like, whoa, I'm not going to jump. Then somebody pushes you, you jump, and you want to jump again and again and again. Then it becomes fun. It's the same with this step in life, you know. And, and at the same time, I think people need to realize, and, I ho- and that is the only positive thing I can say about the whole COVID situation, people are realizing now that it's also fun to spend time with kids. Life should not be about accumulating wealth. Life should be about living life and accumulating happiness. I end my video every day with, you need to zoom out in Bitcoin. You need to zoom in at life. You need to enjoy every single minute of the day because that is exactly what makes life worth living. You, do, you don't stress every minute of the day about the charts. This is not what life is only about. So I think everybody can do it, but you need to lose the fear of losing everything you have. So first step is minimizing your belongings not giving a shit about all this materialistic stuff because that will give you only short-term happiness. And then you start to focus on things that give you long-term happiness, like becoming internally happy. This will take a very long time. This will stick to you for your whole life. The new iPhone is not special anymore when there is a new model coming out again. You know, it's short-term happiness. So when people lose that fear and... um, understand that life is not only about accumulating wealth i think then the step is really easy because if you lose the fear of losing everything you know your all your dreams will come true i think fear is the biggest killer of all your dreams you're not proceeding your dreams because of fear and this is this should stop it's an amazing message i love it um so where should everybody follow you where can they find you where can they uh, be some of those valuable views on your YouTube? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the only thing, man. I, I would be very honored and, 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 and very thankful as people just start to subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch my views and click the thumbs up and all that stuff so that I can monetize this because I really want to give more to the world. I really want to give more to people that really need it. So, you know, it's, it just takes them a minute. Just subscribe to a channel and, and, you know, like my videos. Maybe you even watch them. But the content is really cool, I think. Yeah. I do my best every day. Uh, so that would be the main goal for me because I want to monetize this channel more and more and more so I can give more and more and more and show people uh, amazing. You know, how life could be easy as well. So subscribing to your channel and watching your videos is literally a form of charity. It is literally a form of charity because transparency, I will also show transparent that all the, I will do screenshots of everything that goes in and everything that goes out exactly because it's, people just need to see it. You know, people won't believe it until they see it. They'll think that you're a scammer or a liar or any of the things that you can get accused of in in this community. That's why I film it. Well, man, you, uh, you definitely blew my mind. It's a very inspiring story in one you know, I think that it resonates with probably most people because all of us have that fear of, of letting go, you know, and very few of us uh, do it. So, and maybe for some of us, there's a happy medium between the rat race and, and what you're doing. And, and, you know, that would be okay too. I've always, you know, wanted to just pick up my family and my kids and just, even if it's, you know, three months a year or something to do kind of what you're doing. And you've definitely inspired me to Hopefully once this COVID thing uh, settles in and it's easier to, to do that, you know, so thank you very much for that on a personal level. And, you know, thank you for your time and, and for doing this. Yeah, yeah you, you're very welcome. And again, it was an honor to be in your show, man. I love the thing you're doing in this space. And again, yeah, you can try it for three months. You know, you can always try. That's why I created this t-shirt, you know, it says born to be free. You know, <laughs> we are all born to be free. I love free. it. You're not born you sell to be those somewhere. 
they are being sold on my website as well. Yeah. Okay. So everybody go to his website, <laughs> so, you know, subscribe to his YouTube, follow him on Twitter. I mean, just, just do it, please. It's amazing. Uh, Thank I'm you thanks, very much thanks, again. Thanks. We'll speak Thank you. soon. Thank you.